Love Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Teach Me to Talk with Laura and Kate. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist. And I am Kate Hensler, developmental interventionist. How are you tonight, Miss Laura? I'm great. That little pause made me giggle. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm going to have a nice weekend, busy but fun weekend. Good. Productive. Mm-hmm. Well, we have been productive this weekend, mostly planning my fall conference schedule. And, oh, it's exciting, but getting all the details and getting everything booked uh, so that we are ready to go is uh, exciting but hectic. So I want to go ahead and give out those dates because I've gotten a slew of emails over the last few months asking, where are you going to be? I can't find your conference uh, schedule on the website. Please tell me you're not doing conference. Please tell me you you know haven't stopped doing conferences. And so I want to announce these dates. We will be in Atlanta, Georgia, one of my favorite places in the whole world. Woo, Georgia! On uh, September 27th and 28th. And this year we're doing a two-day format. The first, did I tell you that when I talked with you on the phone about this the other day? When I called you, you when you were waking up from your you nap. Did. Probably shouldn't tell all our personal secrets here on the show, should I? Uh, <laughs> I don't guess that's really a but secret, I nap. but our, person, our personal uh, schedules here. Um, th- the first day is all is going to be my original conference, Early Speech Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor. And then the second day is a four-hour conference about... Um, the new book, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers, and it really focuses on expressive language and really is down and dirty. This is how you get a kid to talk. These are all the tricks. This is what you do. So I'm really excited about that, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. You can come to one day. You can come to the second day. You can. I'd love for you to come to both days. So, uh, and it is, the places we're going, uh, September 27th and 28th in Atlanta, we were in Atlanta last year, and there are some updates to that day one. So if anybody had been to day one, there's, it's still not going to be exactly the same. And the truth is, no, even if it's this, a lot of the same material, no conference is ever the same, even the, the second or, I have some people that have come now. Um, two and three times, because you your audience is different, the questions are different. You know, I've seen different kids right before then, and boy, does that uh, real-life experience tend to put a different spin on things sometimes. So I wanted to uh, make that pretty clear. We'll be in Chicago in October. Those dates have not been firmed up yet. They're, we're looking at two different um Thursday and Fridays that we're we're working with several hotels to see where we can get Wait, the best month? deal. October. October. We'll be in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then the beginning of November back in Columbus, Ohio, and that was also one of my favorite conferences of all times when we were there in um, October uh, 2010. So we're going back there, and I've gotten a lot of requests to go back to Ohio, too. So I'm excited about that. And Surely for that audience, too. That was two years ago when I was there for the first day. So I hope we'll have lots of uh, 
people who are going to want to do both days. But I'm really excited about it, and it's always thrilling to get to uh, be back with the road show, as Johnny and I joke about it. Well, and I have to give a shout-out to the people from Indiana, knowing that where she's going in Chicago will not be too far from my friends in the region in northern Indiana, so they want a really great conference. Go see you outside of Chicago. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, we think we're going to be in Naperville, but that's not completely set in stone yet. Um, Johnny's telling me something to say, but I can't understand him. Now he's not telling me anymore. So, anyway... (laughs) Little executive producer direction there. Okay, so that's that. And the registration for those days will be up um this week when we firm up hotel um contracts and things. I never like to put a location up until that's firmed up because we've had that at the very last minute, you know, change before and I think that's a little bit disconcerting. I also wanted to mention with Atlanta and Chicago, with both those cities, all the people that email me from the Northeast and the people that are from uh, faraway places to me who uh, say, when are you coming, you know, that, where are you going to be, and people that will say, I don't mind to travel to see you. We picked Atlanta and Chicago because those are really easy cities to fly into. And fun cities to visit. Yeah, yeah, both yeah. Of them. cool. So that's uh, another reason we picked those big cities. Good shopping hope- either place. That's my <laughs> real thought. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, that's what we'll go- do. The podcast right before those things is Kate can give you the uh, the shopping lowdown. She can give you the tourist information. <laughs> the- and you know both of those cities since Bill's parents live in Atlanta. You know Atlanta pretty well too, don't you? Uh, not really. Not, I've been there lots of times, but not much to shop because Bill's mom is not a shopper. So I, I kind of know it, but not that well. I'd like to know it better. Let's put it that way. Well, <laughs> maybe you could just go go with Johnny and me to Atlanta. Then that would be fun, huh? <laughs> yeah. Then I could get my shopping in while I was there. But Atlanta's pretty. I think it's a fun city. I think it's going to be fun. So wanted to mention that. We'll get going. We'll move on from this topic. I'm sure we'll be. Um, I'll be announcing those dates for real, especially the firming up the Chicago dates in Columbus, Ohio next week. And again, please check the website for details. I would love, love, love to have a room full of people from all over the United States. So that would be a ton of fun. All right. Secondly, therapy tip of the week this week finally got up yesterday, so that is up. I think I sent you a link to that, Kate, and I gave you a big shout-out in that one, too. I don't know if you've gotten to watch that yet. I sent the link late yesterday. I saw it. You're using my little song. I know. (laughs) I had to give you credit for that. You changed it a little bit, I'll have you know. (laughs) How does it really go? for better. I, like I don't know. How, how did I change it? What do you say? Oh, just, well, first of all, let me talk just, about it, and then we'll, okay. then we'll say what you say. The therapy tip of the week this week focused on using pretty common um, movement activities that toddlers like, like a slide or a ball pit, and I filmed it from the sensory part of the therapy room in um, my new office in Shelbyville, Kentucky. And the great ball pit is there and the little slide and then the lycra swing. And I was trying to 
um, talk about or give Kate's routine for when we swing a kid in a blanket. And I have done swinging in a blanket for a long time with a kid. And you can either do that, you know, in the office. I have that great Lycra swing, which is, um, you know, all in one place, which is going to make it a lot easier if it's just me doing that activity unless the kid is pretty little. And swinging is something that we've both done for a long time with kids because it's so calming and so many children respond beautifully to that. And so I usually just, when, um, you know, you do your routine where you're swinging the child and however they initiate it, whether it's with a sign or with a word, and then when I swing them, I always say, swing, whee. Now, what do you say during that? You just say whee, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, just we. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm always thinking about verbs, you know, me and teaching verbs. That's like my, besides receptive language, that's my big thing. And so well, I'm I always. I certainly mention swinging, but when I'm really uh, just, when, when I'm swinging them, I'm doing we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? I've gotten a lot of kids to say, swing, wee. It kind of sounds like the same thing. Wee, wee, swing. Right, it is. Yeah. You know, so I always think, I'm getting two words with one activity. That's awesome. And so then at the end of that, and in Therapy Tip of the Week, I talk about how important it is when you're doing a routine like that, that you signal a child that it's about to be over so that they really can anticipate all parts of the activity. And I also think... When you when you signal a kid like that too, they kind of start revving up for boy. I've got to figure out how I'm going to get more of this. I've got to ask for this again, and so to to do that and that's one part of it. But the second part of it of that little uh, bumping a child on his bottom when you're about to stop, you know, kind of come in from the landing when you're swinging, it gives that extra sensory input, which is the whole purpose for swinging anyway. Usually, with a kid. And I usually just say bump, 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 bump. But Kate and I had an avowal together uh, at the new place a couple of, I guess that's two weeks ago now. And you were doing your little song that you say when a kid, when you're doing those, uh, after you've been swinging, when you're bumping a kid on his bottom to stop. And so what did you... What are, what was I supposed to sing since I changed it? it? No, you said the right words. It's just you change the rhythm of the bump. Oh. <laughs> That's it. a little prosodic change there. So how do you do yeah. it? I just do bump, bump, bump with each bump. I thought you did bumpity bump. I thought you did that. I thought you said mm. bumpity bump, bumpity bump, bumpity bump on your rump. That's the way you said it. I said I like yours better. I just oh. do bump, bump, bump with with each bump. I know you said bumpity bump. when we were doing it together because I don't think I've ever done that before. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's darling. How come I haven't been saying that? Well, maybe I did. Maybe when I was actually doing it, I put it a little. Johnny just said, we're going to check the video on this. We're going to consult the <laughs> video record. Because when you said bumpity, I bet on the video, I'm going to go back and watch it because I know I probably jerked my head up and looked at you and thought, I'm so cute. I might have just done it with the bumpity bump on your rump. Bump, 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 bumpity bump on your rump. Well, well, I'm glad it's morphed even more because I think that 
bumpity bump, bumpity bump, bumpity bump on your rep. I think that's so cute, and I've done it like that since then. So I anyway. like it the way you did it there, too, like I said. <laughs> I haven't used that for too long. I've used it for a little while. I just thought, yeah, but they sure love that uh, kind of little jolt you give to their system. I always feel like it kind of, like you said, alerts them, kind of gets their sit. You calm them down with the swing, and then you kind of bring them back a little bit with the jolt, and then it's a heads up that they've got, they're going to stop. Right. And um, like you said, hopefully get ready to communicate they want more. So. Yeah, I think it's a cute little routine. So if you're listening and you haven't had a chance to watch Therapy tip of the week, uh, it was, I think we dated it actually for today's date, July 15th. So take a look at that. You can look at that on my website at teachmetotalk.com or uh, on teachmetotalk.com's Facebook page. It's posted there, and you can watch it from uh, either either site there. And now on YouTube, Kate, um, we've finally done enough therapy tips of the week that Nobody else's video comes up if you search Therapy Tip of the Week. Remember how distressing oh, that cool. was at the beginning? Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so now they're all right there together, and that's the only thing that's coming up. If you search com on YouTube or if you search the I, – I think you have to do com to get those to come up. And so those they're all there, and you can watch those all at one um, in one sitting. If that's new for someone, you haven't – I'll check that I out. Yeah, I love them. For parents, I think, um, well, therapists as well, but mostly parents because I think that they, um, you just apply them to everyday kind of normal toys and activities that parents do anyway a lot of times, but they don't know how to put an emphasis on language with it too right, much. Right. And they're just great little snippets of you showing exactly what you do so that they get an idea of how to do what they do better. I've loved it, too, and I've gotten great feedback from parents and from therapists, and that's what's so funny because mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll think, okay, when I'm writing something or doing something new, I'll think, okay, this is mostly going to be directed for you know whoever, and for Therapy Tip of the Week, I really <laughs> thought it would be therapist, but like you said, <laughs> parents mm-hmm. have really responded to that too and um so it's exciting and it is one of my i I think whatever i'm doing at the moment i always say that's just my favorite thing that's the thing i love the most (laughs) (laughs) i was about to say it's my favorite thing good that you get excited about each new one they're always a challenge aren't they and then you get get a master and then you move on to your next thing there you go but but therapy therapy tip of the week is is really cute yeah very cute and very helpful very entertaining so, okay. Think, well, uh, thank you for saying I know, that. Well, whenever I watch them, I always think, oh, yeah, a little idea there, a little idea there. I didn't have to come up with it myself, so I like it. <laughs> Win-win. There you go. All right, mm-hmm. let's get moving on. It's 15 minutes into the show. We're not yet talking about our topic. Started on our topic. All right, let's Here get Here we go. Are we going to finish this tonight? Or I hope so. Let's part. see if we can. Right, That'll be our, well, our goal. Tonight okay. we're ta- we're picking up where we left off last week, and we're talking about meeting a kid where he is. And that's a phrase that if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time at all, you've probably heard Kate or me or both of us say, you've got to meet a kid where he is. We have to meet him where he is. You can't just start there. You've got to meet him where he is. And so we thought we would do a show, and now it's turned into two shows, 
about what that means and how you can take that philosophy, that overall abiding premise and apply it to lots of different scenarios or situations in therapy. If you haven't listened to last week's show yet, we talked about, I, in, with the introduction I talked about to me, that really means that no matter what we're looking at with a kid, we're not going to decide what to look at what the end goal is. We're going to decide what is that kid doing right at this moment, and we're going to pick up right where that is and then work toward moving a kid forward because what happens so many times with our children in early intervention is we'll have a kid that's, say, two or two and a half, and we know he's behind and we we know he's delayed, but we'll look at those two-year benchmarks or those two-and-a-half-year-old milestones and we'll, we'll or we'll look at what our end goal with the kid is going to be, and we start working on that without realizing that there may be so many prerequisite skills that a child has to achieve before he can get to that end goal. And last week we applied it to taking a nonverbal kid who's not very noisy and not doing really much of anything verbally and then thinking that we're going to work on words with him before we even look at all the little things that build up to that. We also applied it to signs. And so and we talked about the prerequisite things that a child has to be doing before we would really expect him to sign. And so if you haven't heard that show I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because those scenarios that we talked about last week are so common and they are just huge, huge mistakes, for lack of a better word, when you start working uh, with a kid at a level where he cannot possibly be successful because he's not ready yet. And so we we talked about that. And this week we're applying it a little differently uh, and we're going to talk about... Um, with behavior and with attention and with play, how we also do some of this with kids. We're not looking at meeting a child where he or she already is. We might be looking at kind of that end result. And we want to always be sure that we are not jumping so far ahead. So we're going to talk about these things as it relates to uh, play, attention, and behavior. And you know what? Now I'm looking at the outline. I skipped one, but uh, we're going to save that one for later. I was going to talk a little bit about using pictures with kids, but we'll do that after we've talked about what it means to meet a kid where he is developmentally with uh, play skills with attention and with um, behavior. So let's just start with play. I think this happens a lot with kids, don't you, Kate, where you think, okay, I this child that I'm seeing, has he really has no real pretend play skills. And so in order to do that, <laughs> I'm going to sit down with him and we're going to play, oh, I don't know, you know, a board game or... <laughs> That wouldn't be a good pretend play thing. But, you know, maybe superheroes, we're going to interest him in this. When we have really, really, really not done a good job of seeing what his play skills, you know, where he is and what he might be interested in. And this, again, this happens a lot with um, kids where we're doing things um, 
where we're jumping way ahead. We think, gosh, he's he's two and a half. He should like these kinds of toys. And we don't really pay attention to the signals he's giving us and the clues he's giving us just to where he could be successful developmentally. This also happens kind of on a situational basis, like with a game, and I'll use this example that I had with a great, great family a few weeks ago that I met. And the little boy is just like so many of our little friends, high energy, on the go, just typical little uh, busy, busy, busy. You know, he needs tons of movement, tons of sensory input. And so we, I wanted to get him to sit down and play with me, which has been a real challenge for his mom to do. And so I was using one of our favorite little games, um, Let's Go Fishing. And so it's a little game we've talked a lot about, or Fishing Around, I'm sorry. It's uh, We've talked about a lot about this game on the show. It looks like it's a little pond where the magnetic fish actually go around and around, which is great. Right. Yeah, hook. not to be confused with the one where yeah. they come out of the hole and grab, right. have to grab the pole. That's the last, not as good. Right. Yeah, and I, I said the wrong name. It's Fishing Around is the name of the game that we like. You're right. And, yeah, and so he was a little bit interested in it and did it for just, you know, like a couple minutes, but he was about to leave, and I could tell that he was getting antsy, so then I pulled out the fishing poles to show him that we could actually catch the fish. And so what do you think he probably did with the fishing pole, Kate? What do most of your little friends do the very first time you show them that fishing pole? I'm putting uh, well, it depends which one of my little friends is, but a lot of times well, this, people kind of, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm kind of play with it in you. front of their faces, like jiggle it and wiggle it and like to watch well, it. That's what he of, was doing. It wasn't really mm-hmm. in front of his face, but boy, he stood up and he just wanted to shake that fishing pole with every mm-hmm. fiber of his body. And have you seen mm-hmm. your little friends do that before where they're trying to shake it and shake it and shake it? So instead of saying to him, sit down here, I want to, I want you to catch the fish with the fishing pole, I just did what I naturally do when a little guy is doing that kind of thing. And I think, boy, I don't want to make him too mad. I don't want to lose him altogether. I kind of went with it. And I picked up a fishing pole and started doing the same thing and saying, shake, 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 shake. Woo, we're shaking it. Shake, 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 shake. <laughs> and that was kind of a surprise to his mom because she expected me to say, now, come on. We don't use the fishing pole like this. We need to sit down and catch the fish with this. That's not what we do with the fishing pole. And so we have to think about that, meeting a kid where he is, even in a situation, even like this. That little guy obviously needed some movement. It is hard for him to pay attention to anything for longer, again, than a couple of minutes because, you know, his little system is set on go, 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 go. And truth be told, I think he shuts down a little bit when he sits for too long or when he sits for too long and a grown-up is in the back yakking the whole time, you know, saying things that probably don't make a ton of sense to him yet because he has a lot of auditory processing issues. And so that tends to kind of make a kid want to get the heck out of Dodge when you're when it's hard for them already to sit and you overload them with language. And so my feeling was, well, let's just go with what he likes, and he wants to shake it, so what kind of language can I put on top of this activity that he obviously needs right now, so we're just going to talk about shaking this darn fishing pole, and then we 
usually with a kid like this, I can't remember if I did this with this kid or not, but I'll stick a fish on the end of that hook, and then we'll do swing, and, you know, then it's going to fall off, and then you can do fall, and uh uh-oh, or whatever your goal is, you can work it into that. But you don't always have to think about, with every single toy, making them complete the activity in the way, in the adult way that you would think that they would do. You've got to meet a kid where he is and kind of work in what your goal is no matter what he is, what he's doing. And that, this is what experts mean by follow his lead. That's exactly what they mean. Instead of trying to always introduce something new, but kind of going with what a kid is already doing and already likes. And so with play, this happens a lot. Do you have any examples, Kate? And again, I'm putting you on the spot. I should have said... (laughs) Come up with some more examples for this. Um, I've got some while you. I've got some while you think. Um, okay. The other the other guy that we saw together a couple of weeks ago, he was in the ball pit and he loved the ball pit and liked doing that. And I was trying really hard to get him to pay attention to me. And at one time when I was, we did some kind of back and forth peekaboo things. But another thing that I did with him was when he's trying to kind of sit there and play with the balls a little bit is just reach in and kind of mess up the balls or, um, you know, scatter them with my hands. And, again, that's not a real adult thing to do. I don't know that we would find that written in any kind of (laughs) as a goal with a kid or if we're reading instructions about playing with a child. I'm not sure that that's what someone would come up with as a way to play. But, boy, did he like that. And it really um, got him to notice that I was there, too, and trying to pay attention or trying to uh, trying to get him to engage with me instead of saying something like, pay attention, look at me, I'm here, too, come on, let me in this game. You know, you have to, again, meet a kid where he is developmentally. And for him in that moment, me going, ah, and messing up those balls was, a better way to get his attention than trying to get him to pay attention to something a lot more complex. He he was a kid that liked um, just really, really novel things, funny things, but things that were pretty simple that didn't require, again, you know, for him, you know, so many adults, if they're playing with something like the ball pit, they're going to go, where's the red ball? Where's the yellow ball? Where's the green ball? Where's the blue ball? He's not ready for any of that. And so it was better to meet him where he was and do something, again, a little bit unexpected to um, help him engage with me. So with play, that's one thing we have to do is, again, meet a kid where he is, figure out what he likes about that, and not constantly try to redirect. And that's not to say that we're not going to teach higher-level skills, that we're not going to help a kid move on, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do all those things. But we have to consider what his starting point is and what his attention is directed to at that very moment rather than constantly trying to redirect, redirect, redirect. Um, I do that quite a bit, but I do it particularly just like he was. Kids who tend to seek out visual stimmy kind of stuff, you know, which he had kind of done with the balls. And a lot of times it does seem like if you allow kids to kind of get that need met, and at least I feel like, well, you did it in a kind of social way, you know, Mm -hmm. you shared it with him instead of just let him do it 
by himself, which he'd probably do anyway. Um, that way they kind of look at you like, so you kind of get that about me. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. Yes, I kind of get that. <laughs> um, it kind of, you know, builds this connection with kids that they somehow trust you a little more and they're more yeah. responsive to you. So if you kind of let them have that little fix that they're going to take anyway, might as well just exactly. say, here it is. <laughs> you might as well join them. Yeah. Yep. I know, and you almost do get them over the hump, and then, like the little boy with the fishing pole, then you can bring them back after you've done that and have them sit down and try to catch some fish and play with it in the way that it's supposed to be. But if you're constantly kind of getting on to them, you know, who wants to hear that? Who who feels good about that? You know, all that, if when I feel criticized, boy, I want to run away too, don't you? Yes. Or fight. You know, (laughs) I I think, you know, think about so many of these kids, do they really understand necessarily, you know, what they're supposed to do, let alone what what we're saying to them? So, you know, it would be very easy to be overwhelmed in that situation. Exactly. And so we have to Mm -hmm. make sure that we're kind of meeting them where they are. And that's why if you know that a kid gets too overstimulated with you with tons and tons and tons of, you know, paragraph length uh, information. If you know a kid that's going to send him into orbit, you know, don't do it. Really simplify your language at that point. If you know that too much hand over hand is going to make him want to bop you in the face, don't do it. You know, meet him where he is, and especially in play. I love this other thing. This is kind of a this is related to this loosely, but I love what you said with the eval that we did a couple of weeks ago together, Kate. When we were talking about building play skills with that mom. And mm-hmm. I was talking about building language. And so with language, I'm telling her, we've got to simplify. We've got to give them time to process. We've got to use single words. We've got to keep it really simple. But then when I was talking about play, I was saying, we've got to bump it up. We've got to make it harder. You know. And so I love that you read on her face like, that didn't make Which a lot of sense. Which is it? <laughs> and so why don't Can you we talk make it harder? Or do we make it easier? Which one of those is it? Yeah. Yeah, and I love how you jumped in and recognized that, that she, what what she was having a harder time understanding. So what, do you know what I want you to talk about right now? Do you remember that, what you were talking about? I, I do. Play? I explained. Okay. I kind of read that she was a little confused, and I could kind of see why she would, because <laughs> I, I think I probably went out, you know, discussed with her not to allow this child to become too complacent about doing everything for him because a lot of times when kids have motor planning difficulties or even, you know, whatever kind of delay, if we help them too much, then they they can become really reliant on that and it kind of shuts down their natural, you know, learning process when they're just very passive about letting an adult do something for them all the time. And I see kids do that quite a bit. So I was kind of counseling against that, and then she kind of said, well, what? And my point was that really they're kind of two different things, I think. I mean, I certainly try and work language into play activities, but for some kids, you know, like you've said many, many, many times in many different shows in different areas, if they're not ready, you know, whether you're using words or not, and it's kind of communication-based, they're not going to start blurting out those words. You know, I kind of feel like... You've got to, some kids, you've really got to kind of teach how to play 
functionally right. with things, and mm-hmm. as they get as they do it a little bit and they get better at it, um, then it, it becomes more natural for them, and then you can use it more directly for communication. But if they don't really like much of anything, it's pretty hard to, you know, <laughs> use sure. toys. And for some of kids, we really do have to kind of basically teach them how to play functionally with things and ultimately how to like them. Right. And um, in, in a way, it's a different message, but it isn't. I mean, am I going to right. force a kid to do something? No. I'm just going to try and engage a kid in um, functional play, and I'm going to offer assistance as needed keeping it as social and positive and playful as possible so that right. they're encouraged to want to do it just another time, just another, you know, one right. more puzzle piece, one more attempt at putting the ball in the hole and hitting it with a hammer or mm-hmm. one more, you know, just to extend it. to So, And then a lot of times when that piece comes in, when kids' play does improve quite a bit, I feel like oftentimes, you know, language is kind of around the corner, but... For some right. of our kids, we've got to kind of teach them that first. Yeah, and I love how you said, let's look at this as two different things. Laura's over here telling you, simplify, 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 but you can't necessarily do that with him with play because then he's not ever going to bump up to the next level. And I love what you said, too, about making it, um, you're going to help them so that you make he kind of gets to that next level and you make it easier for him to do it but not so easy that he doesn't want to do anything on his own. And so I just thought that was a great way to look at it and a great message. And I think it's a good way to kind of think about kids' play skills, too, because we know that we know with so many of our little friends, gosh, he's not playing very well. He's not playing very long. He he doesn't seem right. to be interested in this. And a lot of times it is because they don't know how to do it. And so you've right. got to it's, take that time to really teach them how to play and how to do it and always looking at what that next little step and that next little level is going to be. And, again, that's we, we need to look at that separately from our language things that we're always doing. and uh, But it's so important to look at, and it almost has to come first before we I, can layer that language on top. And I think a lot of speech therapists don't think about it that way. And I, But I think it's DIs, uh, developmental interventionists, developmental therapists, special instructors, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. You guys might think about that first, whereas we speechy people are always going, what's the language called? What am I going to say to him? What do I want him to say to me back? When a lot of times it really should be working on that play. That's kind of the starting mm-hmm. point, thinking, can he do it or not? Maybe the reason he's trying to run away from this is because he doesn't understand how to do it. Maybe it looks like he doesn't like this toy because it doesn't make any sense to him yet, not he doesn't like it because he's choosing right. not to like it. And I mm-hmm. think that's where a lot of our guys, especially the guys that are like the, our little friend was, at that 12 to 15-month development level, even when they're already two. And a lot of times we just kind of assume, surely he knows how to – how to play with this ball and hammer toy, and surely he can hammer these things in here. He's running a blue streak around us. He's throwing these balls. Surely it's not that he doesn't know how to do the hammer 
Well, for that guy, he didn't know how to do the hammer. <laughs> he didn't have a, had not yeah. had a lot of practice or success with it. And so we had to really teach him how to do that. And then he, he could do it after we showed him and after we helped him um, a couple of times. Then he was able to do it with some more success. And I think ultimately his play is going to look more mature with that toy. And as mom adds other toys with tools... Um, and, again, it's kind of misleading with a kid like that because he could do the xylophone mallet and did that pretty readily because he that's one of their play routines that they do at home, right? Right. But he didn't necessarily, it didn't translate with the hammer. And so I think a lot of moms, not this mom, but I think some moms would have gone, well, he just doesn't want to play with a hammer. What's the big deal, Laura? <laughs> when you and I both are looking at that going, ooh, that motor plating that did not look so good to me and so again we have to really take a step back and kind of look at play separately sometimes than we do from language and keep our language simple but kind of bump up that play and help them so that they can um, get more skills and move along on that play continuum but meeting a kid where he is with play is a big deal we have to teach them what to do we just teach them how to do it and then again once they've learned how to do it a lot of times they're going to look like they like it and enjoy it a lot more than they would have had you not shown them. And that's a really and common mistake. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and they'll do it for a lot longer. And then you really have an opportunity to, you know, do the language thing if they're doing it for a little while. But if you're yeah. fighting them to do it or they're running away. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ah, too productive there. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it is a separate thing. And some kids, and let me just say this too for we chatty therapists and chatty parents, sometimes when a kid is learning to play like that, you need to really watch the level of language that you're giving and, again, not overwhelm them and not give them too many verbal directions. And I've seen that happen a lot with um especially with moms who are, again, like me, you know, really, oh, we're going to jump in and kind of help them and help them do it, but then we're almost over-talking. And you can just see that level of anxiety build up because they can't process language and learn, for some kids, a complicated new uh, toy. And, again, by complicated, I just mean something as simple as learning to hammer the balls in. You know, they can't process all that information at once. And so I really try to read a kid's cues. And if I feel like, boy, he is his wheels are turning and I need to just let him process this toy, you know, from a motor perspective or a visual perspective and not um, send him flying away from me because I'm talking too much. And, again, that's not that you're going to sit there and say nothing, but you're going to really watch your own um, language at that point to be sure that that's not what's making him want to leave you and get away from you. Shut down, because you're right, so many, you know, these kids on the spectrum, once you put the load on them to perform the task that's difficult and then you put too many words, you've really got them shut down. (laughs) You've really got them either running or screaming or hitting you or something. Yeah, I was going to say bopping you in the head with a hammer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, shut up already. I'm trying to do it. Yeah. So you have to really, really watch that. The other mistake that we see with play is too much the other way where we don't jump in and help them at all or we were just sitting and observing and seeing what a kid mm-hmm. will naturally do with a toy. And if observation is, all, ladies, only good during assessment. 
want you to assess the kid. If you were there for therapy, if you were there for treatment, you are supposed to play too. You are supposed to participate too. That observation piece, that's done. That's over. And boy, I'll say that a lot. And when I when I did more, uh, I know you're joking, but haven't you done that? Haven't you been in a daycare where another therapist is working with the kid and you kind of peek over the wall to think, oh, what kind of cool does she have? What is she doing? What are they doing over there? And I'll look and I'll, you know, Maybe the kid I'm seeing is getting his diaper changed or whatever, or I'm waiting on him. And I'll watch her, and she's not really knowing I'm watching her. And she's just sitting there, just kind of, and I guess she's observing or watching her. I don't know, but I think, <laughs> good Lord, lady, grab another car. You play, too. I went you know. to one last week. Wait, top this. I went to one last week. I saw a little boy and their brothers, and I was taking one back and getting the other one. I looked up. And there was a speech therapist. Too bad the kids in the classroom were all watching a movie. <laughs> oh, no. She was there yeah. with a the little boy having speech while they were watching a movie? Yeah, and he was sitting in a chair watching a movie, not anywhere near. I'm like, oh, boy, that's really productive. I'm glad. <laughs> that's what I mean. I mean, observation. Okay, yeah, 30 seconds maybe. <laughs> After that, that's not really therapy. That's not really intervention. So, yeah, that's always interesting to me when I see that. Or yeah, when, you know, when, and with the the early play stuff when I really am targeting, and I certainly kids that my ultimate goal is language or at least some sort of communication with, um, it is oftentimes teaching them to learn how to play. And um, I try and be really pretty hyper-social with that, more than mm-hmm. I am verbal. You know, just right. maybe a word yeah. to animate the play or to boom or yeah. Yeah. something easy, but mostly it's trying to connect with them, trying to get them to right. look at me and and respond when I say yay and, you know, just any kind right. of noticing that I'm part of the equation. Exactly. Them, helping them do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> somebody and somebody connected lot- to the, the, the magic hand. <laughs> exactly. And that's why... Um, when you're playing with a kid, that's why my back is going to go out at any minute, and probably yours too, because you're never really sitting erectly or straight up. You're laying down, hunched over, you know, and when a kid's mm-hmm. playing with a ball and hammer toy like that, my face is right there by the balls where he's looking. My face is if we're playing with... um you know, cars and a little racetrack or something, my face is right down there so that when they're looking at the toy, they're looking at me too. And I know yours is too, Kate. And so that's another thing. That's why a lot of therapists will say, I'm, they'll, they get the premise, okay, I want the kid to look at me and look at my mouth, but then they, they're still sitting up straight, but then they try to hold everything beside their mouth so the kid will watch their mouth. <laughs> Have you seen therapists do that before? And that looks oh, a little yeah. unnatural because you're disturbing the whole dynamic of play, you know. And I've, oh, my gosh. Well, and the kid has to sit up. I mean, look up so high. For If I sit up straight, I mean, there's, you know, that's you're pretty tall. high for two yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're tall. You've got that really mm. long body. Yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah. But, and yeah, so uh, the yeah, and so you have to put your face right down there. And I was going to tell this story. I had this child um, that I worked with. I actually worked with her two older sisters, and then I was just kind of seeing her consultatively 
uh, when I, this was two years ago when I first started doing a lot of conferences, and I saw her with her mom, and she kept putting toys on her face. And I said, gosh, is that a little sensory thing? What's she doing with that? And she said, no, her speech therapist always holds stuff by her mouth and says the words. So now she thinks that's how she's supposed to play. She puts <laughs> all these toys <laughs> And I was like, gosh, oh, the well-meaning things we do in therapy that we think are the right thing. And then we look at it. That's like sometimes when you just scratch your face or something or pull on your shirt and whatever word you've said, the kid thinks that's now the sign for that word, you know, because they've gotten Mm -hmm. so used to, you know. So you have to be so careful with what a kid will actually imitate that you've modeled. So anyway, I've gotten way off track. I just always think that's a funny story when I think about that. Okay, so with play, we're going to make sure that we're meeting a kid where he is by helping him learn how to play. Sometimes that means really bumping it up. Skill level-wise, we can't overwhelm him with too much language. A lot of kids, especially our friends on the spectrum, will, and our kids with sensory processing differences will really balk at that, and that's when they're running away from you or tantruming or they get aggressive because you've overloaded their little systems. So we have to meet them where they are, teach them how to play, If they try to take play in a different direction, if you can live with it, like my little friend who was shaking the fishing pole, let it go. Don't overcorrect it. (laughs) Go with what they have, what they're doing. Meet them where they are, and then you can move a kid along uh, with play there. And sometimes you do have to think about play being separate from language so that you're keeping language simple but bumping play up. So that was our point about that. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about meeting a kid where he is with attention how do we do that if we think our goal is task completion we're going to have a child play with us for an age appropriate you know time we're going to have him sit through a 60 minute session with us first of all that is completely unrealistic having a child sit with you consecutively for 60 minutes and we don't always think about that with our little friends, do we? A lot of a lot of therapists really overestimate how long a child is going to be able to sit and attend to one activity. As do you have any good guidelines on your um, tests that you use for that, Kate? We don't as speech pathologists. We do not. I have really any don't. I, I, there is one about attention. I'm trying to think what it is. Uh, they're very low. I think they're actually lower than what they should be. Right. And um, so a couple of minutes, I mean, it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Not very long. Okay. Yeah. And so if we think about that. an hour. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. And so we do want to help children develop attention to task, and we do want to work on that, but a lot of people, I think, go about it the wrong way. And when we start to think, again, if we're, you know, if we're using something as a typically developing child as his guideline, what would we do for that? And when I think about the very best child care programs that I've ever seen, the very best and most talented preschool teachers that I've ever seen, they still don't expect even a child with zero developmental delays to do anything for very long. Most of the time, if you're looking at really superior programs for children, their circle time only lasts maybe 10 minutes. You know, maybe not even that long. When they're doing and that a little, some kind of fun activity. It's not 
10 minutes with flashcards or 10 minutes with a book forced to listen or something. Yeah, they Right. 10 minutes and that includes something fun. Exactly. And uh-huh. so they're not going they're they're not unrealistic in what they're expecting very young children to do. And when you look at what at their day, at their flow, you know, everything lasts, nothing lasts more than 15 or 20 minutes. And that's a, that might even be a center's kind of playtime where the kids are getting to move around and move from thing to thing, even within, even if they're in the home living center or the construction center or whatever. They're still doing a lot of things while they're there. And so it's just really unrealistic when we expect a child who is already behind the eight ball because he has developmental delays to sit with us for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 60 minutes without any kind of break it's uh, or movement, you know, activity or shifting of, you know, what our focus is or what we're going to do is just totally unrealistic and I feel so sorry for kids when I realize that that's kind of happened to them. The other thing is, you know, is it reasonable to expect, though, that a kid could stay with you with one toy 10 minutes or so? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, every we have that happen every day when we're working with children. So it's not that it can't be done, but you can't necessarily take a kid whose attention span is about one minute and think that you're just going to sit on him and physically control him so that he's staying with you the entire 10 to 15 minutes with one toy, one activity from the get-go. You've got to work a kid up to that. You've got to meet him where he is developmentally so that if his attention span is about two minutes naturally, you're not going to go straight to that 10 or 15-minute mark. You're going to go three minutes. Boy, I hope that he can stay with me for a lot more turns. What can I do to make this a little more exciting for him? And so you build it gradually over time instead of thinking his attention span is short so that means i'm just going to belt him in this high chair and he does it does not matter if he screams he's got to get over it he's got to get used to it this is his you know to heck with whatever whatever he wants to do he should be able to sit and play with me so my goodness we're going to make that happen right here right now today whether he likes it or not and that again is just very 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 um it's i don't think it's ever a successful approach with that building attention. So we've got to be sure that we're giving them a reason to play. and We've got to meet them where they are, where we look at improving attention incrementally. And when I talk to moms about this, I say, all right, we're not going to go for, you know, five or ten more minutes today. We're going to go for one more turn, one more turn beyond where he wants to play with me is all that I want him to do. Another thing that's really successful with this kind of kid is if he has a natural tendency to leave with an activity, it's just getting him to stay with you through that cleanup time phase. It's getting him to actually put the toys away with you. You can either do that with singing the cleanup song. You know, you can do it when you're working on receptive language where you're saying, you know, give me a block, give me the bulldozer, find the car, you know, and having him clean up whatever item you've said, having him... um, I use those giant two-and-a-half-gallon Ziploc bags, having him zip the bag that we finish that activity, and, again, all before he runs away from me. So just getting yeah, a Yeah, there are times to- that we definitely engage longer in cleaning up the activity than we actually did with the activity. 
and I always make a big to-do about letting them throw stuff in the bags because what kids don't naturally love to throw something. <laughs> Usually I pair it with, Don, tell it, Don, Don. Yeah. And kids love to think that is terrific. You take a minute to play with the toy and four minutes to clean it up. But you know what? They engaged with you and they were enjoying it, so woohoo. Success. Exactly. And you've extended the time that they've technically stayed with you during that activity. And mm-hmm. it's okay that you spent more time putting it away, but still you're, you know, if you're saying done, you're targeting that both receptively and expressively if they're saying that. And I have had kids get more excited about saying bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye <laughs> to whatever toy it is. Uh-huh. And so, but you're still meeting your goal, you're still working on that, so we've got to really look at that. And I think with attention a lot of times, we try to go for that end result goal with attention rather than I'm just going to, I'm going to get him just to stay with me for one more turn. We've talked about this with puzzles before. If we have a nine-piece puzzle, I don't make a kid stay through all nine pieces if he's done after two. We might put one more in, that one more, one more, and then clean it up, and the next week he might be able to do four. And, you know, a month after that we might be up to five or six. But I think it's unrealistic to make a kid stay for something, stay with something when he is so obviously finished and i think that's a mistake a lot of adults make don't you oh yes and it just becomes a power struggle and how you know you're you're saying that one of your primary focuses is to engage with them socially and if they're mad angry fighting you crying squealing running mm, you've lost that battle you know don't right (laughs) exactly so right so yes i would take uh that any day over a completion nine piece in the hole and he's kicking and screaming because he's mad or frustrated or angry right. or but as far as the play thing and meet him where they are you can do you know working on attention i find that my always go-to best trick although i do try and do some movement things because i think that helps and you know our ot friends that's their specialty but for my for my personal specialty I go with fun, 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 whatever you can do to make it more engaging for them. Right, right. Um, by being really animated, thinking, as you know, see what what makes their eyes twinkle and do it again. You know, that's always going to be your best go-to approach. And what's going to keep them with you just one more turn is to see what what excites them and what they are, you know, naturally drawn to and working that sort of thing, if not exactly that thing, at least that that sort of thing into your routines because then they think, hmm, I like that. I'll watch that. I'll <laughs> right, exactly. I'll pay attention to that for a little longer. And, um, you know, before you know it, if you've worked on bumping up their play at the same time, then um, once they get pre- at least decent at doing something, at least, you know, that they're having some successes. You see, oh, all of a sudden they're willing to do it for longer. But like you said, who wants to do something they're no good at? You know, I think we all shy away from that. It's just natural behavior. Yeah, that's good. All right, we have a caller. Oh, fun. I know. Hi, caller, are you there? Hello. Hi, this is Linnell and Elijah from Denver. Linnell, oh, how are you? 
I'm great. Oh, how are you, how are you doing in that sweet boy? Yeah, so I was so excited when this happened, and I was like, oh, my God, I have to call him. I have to call him. <laughs> but he just did more for me. He did? Yay! Yes. Yay! And it's the cheapest toy I have ever created, and I thought I should probably share this with the world. <laughs> but I put him in a, in a economy size diaper. Okay, wait box. a minute. I didn't hear what you said. So to start, oh, it's the cheapest that- toy. Okay. Come up with a plaything that he really liked, and it worked, didn't it? Yes. So I put him okay. in like the economy it. size diaper box, uh-huh. and I started shaking him and like moving him back uh-huh. and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth, and like tickling him. Then I would lift it up and say, "Ah, boom!" and drop him to the floor. And of course, uh-huh. he good one. Up. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> so then he started looking at me, and I'm like, more and more. And sometimes I'd have to hold his elbow, and then he would do it. And then eventually start doing it over and over again. And I was like, I'm supposed to be listening to the podcast. I was like, I have to keep going. <laughs> no, I would rather you be doing that with Elijah than listening to us right now. That is awesome. Yeah, we're recorded. Yeah, you that can listen to this awesome. anytime. Yeah. Yeah. That, okay, so is that so when you were with us two weeks ago, have you, is today the first time he's signed that for you since then, or have you gotten it with other things too? No, this is the first time. But, okay, so what, have you tried it with other things? What do you think made it work today that it hasn't worked? And, again, for those of you who kind of missed that, uh, Linnell came to see us, and we were, so, we were so excited to get to work with her directly because she's been, she's called the podcast before, so that was so cool for us to get to meet somebody in person. And he had not... You had been working on some signs, but he had not Mm -hmm. done a lot of that, and we did some swinging in a blanket, and Kate got him to do it. And then we saw it several more times before you left. And so last week on the show, did you hear us say last week, Linnell, when we were – I don't know if you got to listen to last week's show or not yet. No, I didn't. Okay, but we were saying (sighs) – we were talking about signs and meeting a kid where he is, and we gave the specific examples that we did with you guys with uh, with Kate swinging Elijah in the blanket. And we uh, were saying, oh, I wonder if he's done it. I wonder how that – I hope we can hear from her. So when you go back and listen to last week's show, you'll have to uh, – <laughs> you'll have to giggle when we get to that point. All right, so you have, well, he's not done it before. So it's been a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It's two weeks. Okay, so what do you think made him do it today that he that you haven't seen it for this past couple of weeks? What do you think the differences were? He was he was ready. Like I think we were we came from outside, had him in the water, running around, and then I said, Okay, his level is still high. Mm-hmm. Said, okay, well let me try this and so yeah. I hear him. <laughs> and so he put the ball in the box. And then I said, well, why don't you get in the box? Mama, mama. Mama. So Boy, we worked on it. I know. Yeah, he's definitely got mama going there. Yeah. Mama, mama. <laughs> okay, okay, mommy's on the phone. Mama, mama. <laughs> so he was ready so today, and yeah, you were really so fun. Yeah, and so I put him in the box and started doing car noises to see if uh-huh. he would imitate me back. Um, it took me a couple of times for him to do it, and I said, okay, well, what else is he really excited about? And so I was like, oh, I remember when you guys did the album. And so I lifted it up, 
jumped them down, and then I got them. So yeah. Okay. Start revving it up. Um, so that's what did it. Yay! And so when he, when you Ooh. cued him, when you said show me more, you were modeling the sign while you were doing it, right? Mhm. Yes. And then he imitated you at when you did you, and you said you had to reach down and help him sometimes with his elbows. Did he ever do it on his own? Yes, he did. Yay! Yes. Well, that is awesome. What a great story to end the show with today. All right, now how are you doing on that mama game, Linnell? Because boy, is he saying that right now. I notice that you tend to do it now when I'm on the phone. He's telling you, get off the phone and play with me. Oh, that's funny. All right, I would, we're we're wrapping up the show anyway, and he obviously needs your attention. Are you there? Yeah. Yes, I'm so, here. <laughs> okay. I want you to get off the phone and play mama with him because, boy, is he ready. <laughs> yeah. I think we've <laughs> got it. You so so ladies. I just thought I'd give you a call and let you know. Well, that's happens. very exciting and great um, great job figuring out. You know, you kind of went with what did he like before? What is he like? Let's Let's amp it up a little. And you said he was in a good place, which I'm sure he was. Kids love to be outside, and if you get them moving outside and then bring them in, oftentimes that's your best time to connect with them, and that's exactly what you did, and it works. So woo-hoo-hoo. Yay, Although there is, a, there is a caution. Make sure he has not drank or eaten anything 30 minutes prior to doing this activity. That's the parental <laughs> <the> warning. <laughs> Maybe a little less boom the next go around. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, well, that was – thank you for calling and sharing that. And I'm thanks again for uh, giving us that update, too. And we loved meeting you. We had such a good time when you and Elijah came and saw us, and we got to meet you and work together. It was great. Thank you so much, ladies. We really enjoyed it, too, and glad to hear he's he's uh, moving along with you. And he's going to get Mama real soon, and I'd say he kind of has it, so that's another one. <laughs> I would, too. I would give him credit for that word. He's trying to get you off the phone, and he Even if started, Mom, only when Mom, you're on Mom, the phone. Mom, get Mom. your phone out more. <laughs> yeah, make your game with the phone. Yeah, pretend. <laughs> pretend like you're talking that's to somebody. It. So he can... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got it there. Just need to generalize that skill. <laughs> okay, well, good to hear from you. Thanks for sharing your happy news, and we love the update. All right. Have a good night. Okay. Thanks, Linnell. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yay, I'm so Aww. glad she got it. I know. That's yeah. so awesome. That's so awesome. That I wondered great. how she was doing. Well, I think she's been thinking uh, what she can do to get his number, and it sounds like she's figuring it out and really doing I mean, um, this is a lady who's very kind of type A organized, you know, wants a script and a plan and a, what's it called, flow chart for everything, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's kind of her, her learning to look at things a little bit differently and, and, you know, address things a little bit differently with him. And it sounds like he's he's getting it, so that's I know, and I, we did not hear the ma 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 as well as we no. heard it then. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was great. 
so terrific. Well, that's good that we uh, heard from her and that she called us and let us know that and gave us that little update. So that's terrific. All right, so we're at the end of the hour. We didn't. We talked about meeting a kid where uh, where he is with play and with attention. And next week. We're going to finish up this series by talking about where to meet a kid is with behavior. And, oh, my gosh, so many people are blaming or are miscategorizing uh, so many things that our kids do because they're, they have developmental delays and calling it behavior. And I just – I get – on my little soapbox about this and so next week we'll start and finish (laughs) with talking about how to meet a kid where he is uh, developmentally in regard to helping with behavior and what's really a behavior and what's really not a behavior and what you can let go and what's you know that sort of thing and so we're just going to spend time talking about that and I also want to tease it a little bit with I have some really good criteria for deciding if what a kid is doing, if you can really look at it, again, as behavior versus a true developmental delay. And these I've probably shared this on the show before. I know I share it in um, my conference. Uh, and so we're going to review that criteria again for deciding if when a kid is not doing what you want him to do if it's a behavior thing or if it's something else. And I love the I love these three um the three things and it's from uh Lynn Kenny with braininsights.com and so we'll talk about that next week and then finish up this whole series. Big surprise we didn't get it done tonight, huh? <laughs> well, we had a caller. So, there you we go. love callers. So that's always a good reason. I don't think that was the main reason, but I don't know. It's just yeah. that there are so many facets to these these topics, really. It's easy to say it, but when you really start talking about it, it's kind of hard to... And, you know, we don't well, leave we us... make it clear. And we... I know. We What's really that? don't... Well, we don't leave a topic uncovered. If it if it fall if it, one of us if the thought you know appears in our head, we're going to. We talk don't about edit it. much. Is what you mean? It's definitely stream <laughs> <Yeah>. of consciousness. <laughs> but it's really important, and this is probably the biggest one with where we meet a kid where he is, and when we're talking about behavior. And again, I think behavior. Oh, so many people are hyper focused on that, and they say they're looking at behavior and they're calling things behavior that it's not behavior. So we're going to talk about how to tease that out next week, and um, that's certainly not a new topic with uh, looking at that here, but I, I want to be sure that we're looking at it in this way and that we're applying this. We're going to meet a care areas across the board, even um, to that area. All right, any final words tonight, Kate, as we're wrapping up? Um, no, I don't think I have any. I enjoy this topic, although it seems like we say a lot of the same stuff over and over. It's just... <laughs> well, apparently it's okay. All right. It's okay. Thanks. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.